The following podcast has some adult language. Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software products inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps Podcast. Welcome to the Mac DevOps Podcast. Today I'm joined by my lovely, uh, if sometimes cranky co host, JD. How are you doing, JD? I'm doing wonderfully, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. I'm still learning the rules of podcasting. And we're only a year plus in. <laughs> it's been a year? It has. Yes. I thought we were still in March 2020. Today we're joined by Allison, also known as Snipeyhead on Twitter. Welcome, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. I've been meaning to invite you forever, and I finally got around to it. But uh, thank you for coming at a moment's notice to join us. I wanted to reach out because you're um, a great personality on Twitter, uh, free with your opinions and advice. Um, and I appreciate that. Wow, that was a really, really nice way of saying you're an asshole online. Uh, cool. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. And you uh, started or run Snipe IT, and I'd love to hear more about that story. So um, an open source software that's also uh, makes money by having hosted paid plans. So we like to talk to cool people doing cool things, uh, working with open source, uh, as well as starting their own companies and um, and just seemed like someone I really wanted to ask a lot of questions and find out how she got where she got. Uh, so Allison, what is Snipe IT? Snipe IT is an open source asset management platform or product, uh, runs on PHP and Laravel. The reason why you would use it is, for example, to uh, when you hire new people, you need to know what machines you've checked out to them, what licenses you've checked out to them, and so on and so forth. And this is the system that will let you do that uh, pretty painlessly. How did you start Snipe IT? I lost a bet. <laughs> <laughs> Honest to God, I lost a bet. So I'd been running, I'd been creating this software and I, I was the CTO of an ad agency in New York City uh, for a while. And we needed asset management just because it was like a checkbox that we had to click through uh, for some of our, our customers who had really, really serious security requirements. Okay, fine. And it's like, we don't actually have any real asset management. And I tried every open source option they had. I even tried, there was some crap because we got acquired, um, I don't know, like a year before I left by some big fancy company in the UK. And they're like, oh, this is what you use now. And I'm like, oh, but it's really not. Like, my friends, really, this is this is actually the worst thing I've ever seen, ever. And so I was like, okay, fine. I took my overdue vacation and I spent about three weeks building the alpha version of this. And I built it for what we needed. And that was it. And I put it on GitHub because like, whatever, what else am I going to do? <laughs> like I have hobbies or anything. So people started to respond to it and they started to ask for stuff. And I was like, well, that's weird because like I have something like 50 repos and most people don't give a fart about any of them. And I started to get feature requests and stuff. And I was like, huh, people are actually really responding to this. That's interesting. And so I just kept going and I kept going. And uh, I left my job as the CTO of an ad agency and I joined a startup, 
which unfortunately just didn't have a ton of funding. So we ran out of runway. It was basically like like seed level, not even angel funding. This was we did not have a lot. And so I was like, okay, cool. I'm in a, a, a I'm fortunate and privileged enough to be in a situation where um my partner who is now oddly my CTO, but at the time was not, um, could give me enough kind of like financial runway where it's like, okay, you know what? I don't have to pull in crazy, crazy salary. Let's just see if this could possibly work working at the startup. And the startup didn't, didn't do as great as I had hoped. Uh, but the thing that was working was my weird side hobby, which was Snipe IT. And he kept telling me, it's like, just put up, like, make, make people, give people the option to host it. I'm like, but literally, why would they do that? I give this away for free. Why would anyone do that? And to shut him up, we were running a WordPress website at the time. Because again, like, I, I was very busy. I was working at least two or three jobs at that point. I was like, okay, fine. And I put a PayPal button up. And like two days later, we had our first subscriber. I'm like, okay, fine. Maybe one person would pay for it. But like, and then like two days later, another one and then another one. I was like, oh, God damn it. You were right. Hate it when you're right. And so that's, that's basically the origin story is I lost a bet. I was absolutely certain that no one would pay to have me host a thing that I already give away for free. And I was wrong. And uh, we're now a company of seven people. <laughs> so, oops. I guess. You did it. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I joke all the time, um, obviously. Uh, it was a weird transition for me to go from uh, CE, CTO, effective CTO to CEO. Uh, just I've identified as technical my entire life. And so that's been a weird transition for me, I think. Uh, and you know, I, obviously I talk all kinds of trash on Twitter cause that's like, that's literally what Twitter's for, I think. But, uh, I love our company. I love everybody who works here. It's been a really long <laughs> six and change years. Uh, but I'm, but I'm really proud of the work that we've done. Awesome. What are the challenges um, that you're seeing now? Um, I think with hosted plans and everything, everybody that was in the cloud or had moved to the cloud or was slowly moving some stuff to the cloud is happy that they were in the cloud mostly with this pandemic. Um, uh, seems on-prem services and servers uh, were great when you were on-prem and on location. But if you're in the cloud, then that makes it a little bit easier. How are you finding? Uh, was there an uptick uh, in business during the pandemic? So it's... Or? it's Interesting. Also, our customer base tends to be kind of oddly cyclical anyway. They tend to be schools and governments. And so there is kind of an economy of the the people that you service, right? So school years end, school years begin. When a school year ends and people are like, actually, I don't want to pay for this anymore, then they cancel. Or people are like, okay, uh, new school year, we definitely need a solution to this. And so you end up kind of in this accidental cyclical cycle that it takes you a couple of years to figure out. Honestly, like your first two years, you don't understand there's a correlation between school year starting, the school year ending and your income. And uh, the types of companies that you do business with when they're, when typically that type of a fiscal year ends, your income will change. It's just true. And so the one thing I did when COVID hit last March, I mean, when we were aware of it, 
when we actually understood what was happening. All I said every Monday, so we have a kind of a Monday all hands. It's like, folks, I don't, I don't actually know how this is going to work out. I can tell you that based on what we have in the bank right now and what we spend, no one is getting fired for underperforming or anything like that during COVID. I know, I know we've got six months of runway. I don't know how long this is going to last, but that's assuming that we actually slowly start to hemorrhage customers. And that Mm -hmm. might happen because the thing is we didn't know, Mm -hmm. no idea. And every single Monday it's like, Hey, I just want to give you the financial report, the kind of state of the onion. Um, we're actually, we're still doing okay. Um, I don't know that we got a huge uptick because of the transition into remote work. I think we changed some of the focus on the feature sets that we were really paying attention to, to accommodate that. We also made it a point when someone would cancel, we're like, Hey, are you canceling because of COVID? Cause like, if you are, we'll just, we'll, we'll flow you. It's okay. Like we had, we had COVID exemptions specifically mm-hmm. for that, where it's like, we're still going to give you service. We'll, we'll figure it out when this is all done. We, nobody knows what's going on right now. People are dying left and right. Like, let's just, how about this should not be your biggest concern right now. And, um, I just, I really feel like my crew handled it really well. I don't know that this was a benefit or, or a detraction. Again, we, there's so many different pieces of data that constantly get conflated because we do have particular types types of businesses that tend to trend towards using us again governments and schools there are like government schools and churches oddly i'm like i'm really glad none of you actually look at my twitter feed because yikes but you know (laughs) okay cool cool but because they do tend to have kind of interesting dynamics of their own they're kind of like these small ecosystems into themselves or unto themselves. And so it it's it can be kind of hard to figure out what those patterns really mean, especially during a pandemic when like, okay, wait, schools are now remote. Church is remote. Everything's remote. You probably still need to keep track of where your stuff is. But like, if you weren't doing that before, I don't know that you have the, the resources to start this. So I don't know that we got a huge boost. Yeah. I think we just, we, we changed the questions that we were asking of our customers and of our users where it's like, Hey, you know what? Uh, is there something else we, we could be doing to accommodate the, like you, I, I think we basically said, you've probably had to make some changes in the way that you are handling your asset management. Is there something that we can do? Is there, is there a feature that would really be amazing for you to have right now that we have not previously been paying attention to because you know, why would you it's yeah. So we asked different questions. We got different answers and we tried really hard to, to, to really focus on supporting companies who were doing the best that they could. Was there a lot of good feedback? Was there some killer features that people really wanted? Um, did you get that feedback? Sure. (laughs) 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 When you work, when you work in open source, like, people are like people ask for some goofy things sometimes (laughs) and like that's frustrating and then what's more frustrating is you realize that through uh, an unintended consequence like after you've told them to to go pound salt you're like oh actually I just I actually just did that thing so somebody at one point had asked for like an integrated password manager and I'm like 
literally why though. Like that's not our job. That's not what we were supposed to be doing in the first place. Bop de bop de bop. And I was like, no, they, like password managers exist. Use them. This is not our focus. And then I created encrypted custom fields. And I'm like, oh right. So like if you actually wanted to store pass for oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I basically closed that that ticket with like an L-O-L-O-L-O-L-L-O-L-O-L what tag and then ended up actually implementing it like six months later. So sometimes you still end up the asshole. But sure, there there were absolutely some really useful things that people asked for. Some of them were easy. Some of them weren't. Some of them still aren't. Like I absolutely understood it. I think I think what was really kind of cool though. And it's hard to talk about a pandemic where half a million people are dead and say, this was a really cool part of this though. But I mean, what happened was that the conversations I feel were a lot more honest. This wasn't just like customer to vendor. This was like, we were being really honest about, hey, we want to try and help you solve this. We've always been remote. And so like the challenges that you're going through right now are not challenges that we understand. To have to transition a 200-person company into a fully remote 200-person company, that's not something we understand. I want to know. And it felt way less artificial. It felt really genuine and, and like pure. And it also felt like they really, they believed that we wanted to help them. And that was really cool. Because like you don't get that very often. We Listen, we've all dealt with jerky vendors. And you're just like, okay, yeah, sure. You're going to ask me a stupid question. I'm going to give you an answer. You're not going to listen. You're going to give me an auto response. And this is kind of just how this works because I've been here a while. And this just felt so much more connected where it's like, hey, we're actually your team. We're on your side. We are part of your team that is going to get you through this. And that was kind of cool, I have to say. Definitely. everyone, uh, Everyone's jobs got more difficult uh, during the past year. And I feel like like you said, a lot of people reached out and worked together um, and finding a technical solution or a way to solve problems is always uh, <laughs> a good feeling. And, uh, I, you know, yeah, if there's a bright spot in the last year was finding a few products or a few apps that could help you work together when everybody's stuck at home or if they weren't at home before. And I remember our first interview, I think, for the podcast last year was going to be with a company that was remote only. And that was very unique <laughs> a year ago. Yeah. And my, <laughs> yeah. my, my, my question list when we did the interview with them was like, it was instead of like, oh, this is unique and interesting. How are you doing? And it was <laughs> my question. First question, I think, ended up being, so how are you doing it? We all want to do this, too. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow. Like it just all of a sudden everything shifted immediately. Um, it's weird. You know, like um, I watch, I read a lot of articles about like whether or not we're ever going to go back to, and I'm using the biggest dick quotes here possible, uh, normal, which like, listen, honestly, when I started this company, I was like, no, we're never going to have an office. Why would I want that? It's a, it's a crap ton of money and I'd have to wear pants and I'm a big fan of not doing either of those things. Plus there's no reason to do it. There's no physical comprehensible reason why this would benefit us. All it does is drain our bank accounts. And so we, we have kind of a weird setup. Um, so we all draw our regular salaries. We have, you know, 401ks and health insurance and stuff, but we also, we split our revenue every quarter, uh, equally, completely equally. So, um, my juniors developer gets the exact same bonus as I get. And that's based on a percentage of our profit, not revenue profit. I'm not, 
I'm not that crazy, but you know, <laughs> let's be honest here. But like, I don't, I don't get a, literally a dime more than my most junior developer, my most junior person every quarter split. So we have kind of a weird setup. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I want to believe that this ushers in kind of a new world of remoteness being an actual viable option. I've also, I kind of know how people are. I'm like, what's going to happen in my opinion. And like, whatever, sue me in two years when I'm proven wrong. That'd be great. I would love to be proven wrong here, but, but what I think is going to happen is everybody gets vaccinated. Everybody moves on and everything goes back to the same old crap that we used to have to do, which is you have to commute. You spend two and a half hours each way. And I know this because like I used to live in Monroe, New York, and I commuted to Manhattan, which if you're doing that on like non prime times is not that far, but it was a five hour commute round trip because I was commuting when literally everyone else was. And I would never wish that on anyone, any human being ever. We also have like, we we have flex time where it's like, you know what? Uh, just like, give us a heads up. If you happen to be customer facing, so like if you're doing help desk stuff and you're going to be gone the whole day, that's totally fine. Just let me know so that I'm, I'll pick up your tickets. And then, you know, uh, I'll take half day off tomorrow or something. Um, it, it, there's a level of communication that I think is super duper critical. And so it makes it really hard. And also I think that some people are not going to be that successful at it because they're just not used to that level of communication. Remote work is difficult if you're not sort of prepared for it. And my, my opinion is that we as Americans, cause like we're very good at just like, Oh, that thing happened. And then going back to normal. And, uh, I want to believe that we are now headed into this wonderful remote world where we can be appreciated for the value that we bring, uh, to the company instead of asses and seats. But I kind of, let's just say I'm, I'm a little cynical is all. <laughs> I, I, sh I too share your hope. I mean, uh, there's a lot of jobs that I turned down because they wanted me to go to a city where, you know, commuting in a car would be the uh, no. the way to go forever. And, uh, um, you know, I have relatives who say that, you know, people commuting to L.A. was busy at one point of the day and then it became busy 24 hours a day, you know, in any direction, every direction. And, uh, you know, my pr preferred commute is not commuting and just biking like maybe 10 minutes or biking an hour for fun <laughs> before I sit down on my computer in the morning. So. Uh, yeah, commuting. I'm, I hope that this has opened the eyes of a lot of people that you know remote work is fine, and people should you know if things get normal, then they should have the option. I mean, it's soul crushing. I literally had created a um, at least two Twitter accounts that I'm pretty sure are the reason why I did not go to prison. I, I think one of them was uh, geek geeky haiku or geeky senryu, and one was a cranky haiku. And basically, cranky haiku. The entire purpose of that thing was just for me to write haikus around the people that I was commuting with. Because if you have to kind of condense something down into a haiku format and also make it funny and entertaining, it sort of diffuses your anger. And so the only reason I am not in prison now and have the luxury and the privilege of running this company is because of, because I wrote, I, I wrote angry haikus about people I had to commute with. These people were terrible though. Like seriously. Uh, is this car commuting or subway? No, commuting? it was bus. No, it was bus. bus. No, because like tr try and find a place to park in in Manhattan. Yeah. I'm sorry, like good luck. You're, you'll pay more in parking than you will than you will have paid for your car in a year. So no, you take the bus. 
And also, like, hey, you can nap occasionally on the bus. That's good, and, I guess. And tweet. <laughs> sure. I mean, if it makes you not a crazy person, which I find value in. I don't want people to commute. Like, if you like driving, go nuts. Go nuts. Drive. I actually love driving. I absolutely love it. Traffic sucks, but like driving itself is wonderful. And if that, if that makes you think of cool ideas, it's like some people get their cool ideas from the shower. Some people get it from driving. Some people get it from whatever, like whatever works for you. But like that, that being a requirement, I think is ridiculous. And it was, it was a founding principle of this company in the first place where it's like, um, the first thing that everyone here needs to know is that we will never have an office. That means that um, if you're new to working from home, I do need you to really kind of bubble up that in your communication because I'll try and help you. That said, it's been a really long time since I have. So I may, I might not be amazing at this at, at helping you through this, but like, I, I do want to know it and I, I want to help you through this. Also working from home is not for everyone. Honestly, it's just not like some people get lonely. Some people want interaction other than like, listen, I talk to my cat a lot, like a lot, a lot. I feel like uh, probably she at this point could sue me for like some sort of executive ownership of like shares of stock in my company for how much I talk to this cat. It's not for everybody. No. And, uh, you know, I think the last year and change has been rough because a lot of people who maybe were not inclined to, to be receptive to this sort of got forced into it. I think whatever way we can figure out how to make that stuff work is really, really important. I've always sort of been designed to work well from home. Work, working remotely has always been kind of my jam. I remember I used to work uh, for a while. I worked at the San Diego blood, blood bank, uh, my first tour in San Diego. And I was like, Oh crap, I have to go into an office. I have to wear khakis than a polo. I have to not swear out loud when I'm writing code. I'm pretty sure they actually thought that I had Tourette's, but you know, because like, like ADA, ADA laws, like they couldn't ask me about, cause I'm just swearing under my breath basically for eight hours a day, every single day. I, I, I at least pulled it under my breath, <laughs> but I was like, there's no, so we really, there's no work from home. They're like, yeah, no. Fuck. Okay, fine. <laughs> but like it, working remotely was always, it's always been what I wanted. So like for us as a company, it didn't change anything at all. Cause like whatever, that office that you never went to that we don't have, keep not going to that place that doesn't exist. Um, you know, this last year we did, in addition to our bonuses, we did uh, like a round of like a thousand dollar kind of topper on top of the bonuses for like upgrade to workstation. We all know that this, this is like, this is reality now. Um, get yourself a more comfortable chair, get a bigger monitor, get whatever it is that you need to make you feel really comfortable here. So we're, we're living and we're learning and we've got a couple of people that I think probably were not remote first and we're trying our best to kind of help them through that. I don't know, man, we're just, we're making this up just like everybody else. So I noticed on your uh, Twitter feed, you posted about uh, closing a really old uh, GitHub uh, request, uh, pull request, perhaps, or uh, was looking at, yeah, looking at old uh, pull requests and finally getting around to them. And As we try and move forward with our product and with our company and with everything else, there's like, there's some stuff that you're like, there's some housekeeping that probably needs to be done here, right? And one of the things, and I think a lot of this is like super, it, 
it's a, it's an emotional process as well. So like we use Stalebot and Stalebot sucks because Stalebot's like, okay, well, 30 days or 60 days or whatever, whatever number that is. Uh, if nobody's responded to it and it's not been tagged with these particular tags, then we close it. And like, yeah, that sucks. You open an issue and then it just gets closed by a bot. But you know what else? What also sucks is logging into your GitHub first thing in the morning and seeing like 6,000 open issues and then hitting reload and it's 6,200. And it's just like, like it, it actually, there's an emotional load that is extraordinary. And one of the things that I'm trying to do uh, this week, hopefully at the end of the week, hopefully, uh, we will be down to zero open pull requests, at least ones that are not tagged on waiting on OP. When you've got a P when you've got PRs that have been around for literal years, the code base has changed significantly. We've already gone through a major, major release cycle. I don't even know if these things are still relevant anymore. I don't know if the people who opened them even still use the product and care about this. I just don't know. And so what was going on at the time was uh, like, I was going through some family and work stuff that was really, really difficult. My mother was literally dying of cancer. Um, and it was my sister and I were alternating uh, one week on one week off to fly out to Florida. So I'm still pushing code. I'm still trying to do my best, but I'm also like, I'm going through some shit at this point. Like my, my mother, I, they're like, yeah, you got like four months tops and they were not exactly wrong with their estimate. So I'm watching this person who was a part of my life and certainly uh, literally gave me life. And I'm watching this happen and I'm trying to just like still run my company and still run GitHub and still do all of the things that I'm supposed to do. And listen, I probably didn't do them very well. That's probably true. <laughs> and so what happened, you'll notice in the, in the PRs, there's like 10 from this year and then everything else is from 2019 because the, that number became insurmountable. Once like, and, and I think for each maintainer, there's a different number. What that, that like, like FML number for some, it might be 10 for some, it might be 20 for some, it might be 30 or 40 PRs where it's just like, I actually cannot handle the executive load of this. I can't even look at this anymore. And for some people that might be help desk tickets or GitHub issues or whatever, but th this number just got so out of control and everything was sucked so hard that I just stopped. And so now I have to go through the really embarrassing process of like, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm a shit bag. Uh, I know this ticket is from, I know this PR is from 2019 and I'm super, super sorry about it. All of my apologies. I'm trying to do better. We're just, we got to clean our house right now. And so the, the thing that you particularly mentioned, uh, it was actually super lovely. Uh, one thing, if you follow me on Twitter is like, I'm very, I'm known for like, Hey, if you're going to be a shithead to me on, on GitHub or anywhere else, I'm just, I'm going to show your entire ass. You do not get away with treating people like garbage. Uh, I don't owe you Jack. And so this person, Mark Quark, uh, I had written something. And in fact, uh, probably it makes more sense if I, if I give you the context here. 
I said, sorry, this took a lifetime. We're trying to go back and figure out how to handle the older PRs. Most of them now, for obvious reasons, have merge conflicts. We're going to have to test develop more than usual before we release because some of these geriatric PRs could potentially introduce some regressions. 2019 was a rough year for me, and a lot's changed since then. My mom was literally dying of cancer. We had to fly out twice a month to take care of her, etc. You don't need to hear the stop story. Just know I wasn't trying to be a dick or anything. We have twice the staff now than we did, than we did back then, then, and I'm very committed to handling all o- older PRs and being way more on top of new ones that come in. So this is, this is my like mea culpa. That's, I was like, dude, uh, I screwed this one up. I did. I, I'm sorry. I also understand. Cause like, I couldn't tell the guy, the comment was like, yay, it finally got merged. Woohoo. And I was like, are you being sarcastic? I can't tell anymore. Like what is time and what is sarcasm? Irony is dead. And so I was just, I was like, Hey man, I'm, I'm really sorry. He's like, no, no. So he responds. Hey, Snipe, there's absolutely no need to apologize. This is an awesome project. And I can only imagine how tough it is to maintain an open source project of this caliber while at the same time having to make it profitable, not to mention keeping up with all the GitHub activity. You don't owe us or me anything, I believe. I'm very glad the contribution made it over the line eventually. Sometimes things simply take a while. Good things come to, to those who wait seems to be the most appropriate translation of a ger- German idiom I have in mind right now. And at the same time, it's very sad to read that you had such troubles in your life. I sincerely hope that there's some light at the end of the tunnel and that things get better for you. Wish you all the best. Stay awesome. And I was like, I still can't tell if you're messing with me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the idea that you're not. And it was such a lovely, like I have an entire folder on my laptop of like horrible bullshit that people say in open source the way that they just kind of crap on each other and crap on maintainers and crap on the people who are trying to help other people, like just community members. And this was just like, oh my gosh, like you're seriously going to make me cry at like 8 a.m. on a Tuesday, you jerk. (laughs) (laughs) But it was lovely. It was actually lovely. And we don't get to see a lot of that. And if anyone is still actually listening to my rambling at this point, like the one, the one real takeaway has to be there is always a real actual human being on the other side of whatever software. And I absolutely believe that you are, your anger is righteous and correct, but like your, your use case isn't always everyone else's. And just like, please be kind to these maintainers. I've, I've eaten so much shit over the years and this one act of kindness from some guy I've never interacted with before. (laughs) I'm still thinking about it. And it's just like, Oh my gosh, this is probably the nicest thing I've ever read on GitHub. So thank you. Be That's kind awesome. to people. Yeah, just yes, like be kind, be kind to people. There are people on the other side of this. These, these are, this is not yet. AI is not good enough yet. <laughs> and if you've ever seen Google try Google Voice try and translate a voicemail, you know that your job is pretty safe so far because <laughs> it's actually insane. It, like it's it sounds like absolute gibberish. Just remember there are always people on the other side, whether it's open source software or not. I think since I started this whole thing, I have become profoundly nicer in my support issues that I have to open. First of all, I almost never open them. But when I do, I'm like, I totally understand that perspective. And I really appreciate you getting back to me. Thank you so very much. And like, that's before this, I probably been like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, this is the most obvious feature you could possibly ever imagine. How is it still not here? How, <laughs> how is this four years later? I've been asking for this and it's still not here. Like, what do I pay you for? 
before I did this, I probably would have been that jerk. Now I'm still that jerk, but then I immediately said, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I've not had any caffeine whatsoever today. Please ignore that initial, that thing. Yeah, don't, don't pay attention to that. I'm really sorry. I'm a jerk. Thank you for getting back to me. It, it's just like, there are real people here. People always need help. And that is, you just got to be open in your heart and in the right mental space, which we're not always all the time, but just sometimes people are running faster than you are and they just need a hand and they just need your help. And, and that, that sometimes, sometimes is comforting to me because people will need my help no matter what. And, um, you know, we always feel overwhelmed with the tech sometimes and, um, trying to figure out even what we were doing yesterday or the day before. Or oh my gosh. Right. Like I <laughs> do my stand up bot and I'm like, I, what did you do today? And I'm like, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I know I was very busy though. I was very, very busy. I, I mean, maybe it's different because I'm an old fart in tech. And so like, I don't chase the new tech. I'm just like, whatever the, the tech will chase me. If it actually, if it's around in three years, then I'll look at it. But like this stuff is just too fleeting and it's too expensive to keep moving infrastructures around and around and around for whatever the new tech hotness is. I'm old. I've been here for 25 years in the industry. I mean, and the tech I'm using largely still the tech I was using back then. And it's not actually because I'm fearful. DHH once called me that on Twitter and I'm still very salty about it. It was like 15 <laughs> years ago and I, I still have, I still have thoughts. Okay. <laughs> but we kind of have a rule in my company where like, it's, kind of okay to every now and then vent about a customer. Customers who are, you know, sometimes a little frustrating being high maintenance and not really bringing their A game, right? Um, like in general, our rule is like, okay, you get like one of those a month, but we can't actually shit on customers. Like they're the ones that pay our bills. And the reality is I built this software because I was trying to solve a problem. It's the same problem that these people are trying to solve. So like you can be frustrated for a moment. First of all, that never washes over onto them. And second of all, like just our job here is actually to solve problems. Yeah. Most of the way that we do that is through software, but not always. It's like we had, we had a customer uh, from Sweden, I think, who had a particularly bad actor, an inside actor, who had super admin access somehow. Uh, at, at any rate, this person did some really craptacular things. So like deleted a whole bunch of their assets, deleted a bunch of users, deleted the backups. I was like, oh, look at you, their thoroughness. Good, mm. good for you, I guess. And also purged all of the stored backups. Like it was really, this person was trying to hurt them badly. And so I was looking at the logs and I was like, okay, well, I'm noticing a skip in the auto incremented IDs. So I said, and, and based on your access logs and based on the bits of attribution that have not actually been purged. Here's the story I'm going to tell you. And I have no idea at this point, uh, this, this person had told me absolutely nothing about what was, what was going on on their end. I said, this actually looks like you have a bad actor, uh, in your organization, perhaps no longer, which would be my, my guess is no longer with the organization. Uh, and somebody just forgot to revoke their creds or, um, and so I was like, okay, well, so the user I can tie back to some of this kind of bulk activity is this user. And she's like, yeah, that's our CEO. I'm pretty sure he didn't do that. I was like, okay. So we have one of two things. Uh, in fact, not really one of two things. Probably that CEO should change his email password stat because like if he's an IT guy, it wouldn't be that weird. It would be crappy, but like whatever we work in IT, like sometimes crappy is true. 
it's very likely that that person has your CEO's email password. Um, he performed, he executed these actions uh, under the auspices of being this person. And she's just like, okay, well, how do I prevent that? I'm like, I don't know, man, like, um, don't fire people. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm telling you the story. I'm telling you the story of what the logs are telling me. And it turned out they did actually fire somebody uh, in a not very uh, amicable way around that time. And I was like, listen, if I had to guess just based on activity and based on logging and everything else, this person who came from this IP address looked like this looked like an inside job. And uh, it looked like they, they tried really, really hard to make sure that, that information was unrecoverable. And they're like, thank you so very much. Um, and I was like, listen, I don't know how it works in Sweden, but if you need us to supply any additional information for criminal charges, should you choose to press those charges? She's like, oh yes, we're pressing charges. Wow. So I'm like, cool. Maybe I get a free trip to Sweden. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but like telling that story, because this is obvious that someone in ab abject panic mode, all of their assets are gone. And they'd been with us for a couple of years. So like, this was not a new customer who was just putting stuff in. This was a year's worth of, of time, blood, sweat, and tears. And so it is like, I don't ever want any of our customers to get screwed over by stuff like that. But it is really, really nice to just say, you know what? So I've been in InfoSec for like, I don't know, decade, decade and a half. This is the story I'm seeing. This is this is the story that, that the evidence is showing me at this point. And to just have it like, oh, actually, no, everything's making sense now. Thank you. Thank you so much. But like, you know, the initial email is, oh, my God, data loss, rah, rah, rah. And it's like, no, dude, it's not an upgrade. Like, there's nothing. I write this code. What migration would I possibly write where it's like uh, truncate table assets because F you, that's why. Like, why would I do that? <laughs> Literally, why would I do that? It's just not something I would do. And so when you hear these people in like super hyper panic mode and you can just kind of calm them and just be like, listen, I'm looking at your logs. I'm also the, I'm the lead dev on this project. I promise you, we don't do anything data destructive. We still have a table that was there from like five years ago, just as like, in case people use it, we never used it. We literally never used it, but we still haven't dropped it just in case. Just like, whatever, it's an empty table. People are using it. I'm not going to mess with them. It's fine. We don't destroy data. There's nothing that we would do that would destroy data. And you, you get people at their most terrified. Like they think their jobs are on the line and maybe their jobs are on the line. And all you can, all you can do is just like, Let's look at the facts. Let, let's look at what your logs are telling me. Let's look at what the server is telling me. Let's also just look at like behavior patterns of people who've been fired and are pissed about it patterns. It's such an amazing gift to be able to kind of take these people out of this hugely panicked situation where it's like, listen, no data was lost. And like in the case of, of our Swedish customer, uh, absolutely data was lost. We had to actually like mount from an old backup. It, it, was, uh, it was a production because this person was sufficiently good at screwing them over. <laughs> I was like, wow, I mean, good for you. Not really like that's terrible, but kind of good for you for your thoroughness. <laughs> and also may I point you to a blog post about offboarding and the offboarding checklist that you should probably consider <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> this stuff's hard and people are scared. They're scared for their jobs. They're scared for all kinds of things. And it's so nice to just be like, listen, 
we provide software, but we also provide a metric ass load of IT expertise. And at the end of the day, you get the benefit of that without actually having to pay for it. And that part is great. Watching people, helping people solve these problems that are serious panic positions. It's like, okay, it's okay. First of all, we have backup. We just had a customer yesterday who like, uh, because some somebody messed with their custom fields, somebody on there, like I, completely innocent. I, I don't think anything nefarious happened. Uh, but they, again, huge, like massive data loss was the ticket. And I'm just like, oh, Christ, okay. So I looked at it and I was like, so I don't think that's actually what happened here at all. Here's what I think happened. And they're like, okay, well, how do we prevent this moving forward? I'm like, well, don't have, don't give people access that you don't trust. Like the system is working as advertised. It's literally doing its job. But that said, I'm like, listen, no data was lost. I can see your data. I can see it right here, right in front of me. Everything's okay. We can sort this out. I promise. I think it's enormously rewarding to be able to just be like, hey, listen, it's okay. I know you're freaking out and I understand why you're freaking out. I'm telling you, I'm looking at your data and it's fine. We'll figure out why it's not displaying the way that you expect, but like your data is actually intact. I promise. And just like hearing people kind of like shift down into a lower mode. <laughs> and it's like, okay, okay, wait, okay. Oh, okay. That's, that's, that's great news. How did this happen? It's like, cool. I would love to have that conversation with you now that you you're done, you know, crapping yourself. Like it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. And that's actually, it's lovely. I find it lovely. I find it really rewarding. It's good that you could take the time to help them. Uh, sometimes uh, all the time as it, I feel like I know, you know my ADHD uh, developed because I'm in it or because I found it because I have ADHD, but you're always looking for fires or the fires are finding you and you're panicking or you're just nuking and paving everything and rebuilding from scratch. Cause you don't have time to, to figure stuff out uh, why it's not behaving. You're just like, I reset totally to get that. Total. I'm like, <laughs> wait, did ADHD give me it or did it give me it? <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. You know what? Yeah. They both seem to be friends now. So we're just going <laughs> to run with it. Uh, and the thing is, I don't always have time. Uh, but because because ADHD is a hell of a drug, I didn't have time to help the Swedish customer. I really didn't. But I'm just like, this is also really, really adjacent to the things that I find most interesting in the entire world. So uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. And like, remember, for our hosted product, it's like 50 bucks a month. It's, I'm either 40 or 50. I don't even remember. It's, this is not like a high dollar amount of money that anyone is paying for this particular service because we've got our, our stuff locked down. We like, we know how to deploy this. We know how to manage it. We know how to support it. We know how to do all of these things, which is great. But you know, it also means that when you do, when you are that offhand, that, that like odd occurrence where there is a customer who actually requires a ton of handholding as a business owner, you kind of got to look at that too. I don't always have that time, but sometimes it's just like, this is actually super fun and I don't have the time to do this, but, but I really want to help this person because I really want to help this person. <laughs> These are people using the open source on-prem. Yeah. Uh, this no, this, this person no. was a customer. Uh, they were a customer, but again, like they're paying and they may have, they actually may have been with us long enough that they were paying even less than that. Cause we, we tend to uh, legacy in uh, older customers. We've never asked any old customer to pay more based on our prices changing. So I think they were actually paying like two or three years ago rate. But no, I, it took me a long time. I was, I was parsing through uh, Nginx logs and 
was trying to do everything I possibly could. So I also have a weird history and you might not know this. I, I used to run a nonprofit organization called petabuse.com. It was a, a database, basically like Megan's law, but for animal abusers. And we covered the United States, Canada, all of the UK, New Zealand. I think we added Australia and Spain. So we, we spent quite a bit. So one of the things that I helped do, there is this football player in the United States, American football. His name was Michael Vick. Oh, yeah. It was it was kind of a thing at the time. Yeah, he uh, he was he went to jail. He went to prison for uh, for dog fighting. And I actually worked on that case because being sneaky is sort of my shtick. <laughs> being sneaky and pretending to be people that I am not necessarily is sort of my my shtick. And it, it took a lot of time. But like, it's one of those things where um, I'd been embedded in dogfighting forums for enough years at that point that it didn't look weird that I'd be asking these, these kinds of questions. You couldn't just be like, oh, and hello, fellow children. Like, it would be really weird. So having these kind of embedded profiles with all these different sort of uh, people and uh, characters and you, also I could never be a... I could never be a chick because like that was just, that was not going to happen. But so you, you kind of, you get to learn all of these different ways of solving problems and also kind of at the time collecting evidence because this was, this is way back when there wasn't like, this is a Virginia animal control association. They don't know how to collect digital evidence. They don't know how to like verify any of that. And I asked them, I was like, so how do I send this evidence to you? And they're just like, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, I'll send you a PDF. I will zip up the HTML. I will MD5 sign this at least. Like, I'll at least give you a hash that it came from me. But like, how do you, how do you prove any of this stuff? And so working with, with this Swedish customer was interesting because also like, this isn't even American law. This is now Swedish law. So it's like, okay, I'm pulling in, like, these are all the logs I can possibly collate. Um, here's a giant zip file. Tell me what else you need. And like, first of all, I wanted to solve her problem. But second of all, like what that guy did was a dick move. It was just really a dick move. And I really feel kind of okay with making sure that uh, people who do dick moves are at least made to face their consequences. It's always appreciated when you're going through something to have somebody that can help you uh, in your time of crisis, uh, especially sorting through some technical elements. Uh, Spite is enormously powerful. <laughs> spite is like, poof, that is the stuff. Like inject that right into my veins because spite is, yeah. <laughs> That's some good motivation right there. Allison, it's been a total delight. Thank you so much for talking with us. Good luck to you and everybody at Snipe IT. And uh, uh, thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a, it's been an absolute. It's been a slog, honestly. Like this is a long time. This is longer than I've actually had to. It's it's longer than I've had to speak to any human being in a really long time. The Mac DevOps YVR conference and podcast is looking for sponsors. Support and encourage developers in IT to work together to solve problems for our community by sponsoring Mac DevOps. If you're interested in sponsoring the Mac DevOps YVR conference and podcast, send an email to hello at mdoyvr.com. We have three awesome new sponsors for the 2021 conference. Back again is Mac Stadium, our platinum sponsor. Um, they are also helping us to sponsor the Hack Night. I'm going to provide some awesome Mac instances for us to test and hack with. 
Um, we have Simple MDM that's back as our silver sponsor. Thank you so much to Taylor and everybody. And new this year is Flow Swiss AG with our Mac Bare Metal Service. Um, an awesome European sponsor. Thank you so much. Um, we couldn't do this conference without our sponsors. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests and thank you to our co-hosts. Today's episode was edited by JD Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service. See, see, I've broken the fifth wall, the third dimension. Thank God for editing. (laughs) Thank God for you, JD, the world's best GD podcast co-host ever.